welcome to Trinity United Methodist Church in Duncanville, Texas. Today we continue our sermon series, Questions, the Beginnings of Faith. We can feel close to God in lots of places, so why go to church? Join us for the message, Why Should I Join Any Group That Will Have Me as a Member? Good morning and welcome to worship here at Trinity United Methodist Church in Duncanville, Texas. You know, we can feel close to God in a lot of places, so why go to church at all? Well, we'll be talking about that later in our message, why should I join any group that will have me as a member? <laughs> Scripture this week comes from the New Testament. Uh, first in Acts 4, 32 through 35. Listen now to the word of God. Now the whole group of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one claimed private ownership of any possessions, but everything they owned was held in common. With great power the apostles gave their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as owned lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold. We'll continue in 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 14, 26 through 27. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in the one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. Indeed, the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If one member suffers, all suffer together with it. If one member is honored, all rejoice together with it. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. This is the word of God for the people of God. There is an episode from season two of the sitcom Modern Family. It's called Earthquake. And as the name implies, a minor earthquake sets a series of events into motion. Now, in case you're not familiar with Modern Family, the show centers around the lives of an extended, affluent family that's living in Los Angeles. The patriarch of the family, Jay Pritchett, is married to his second wife, Gloria, a beautiful Latina woman from Colombia who is younger than his own adult daughter. Gloria also has a preteen son from her first marriage named Manny. And on a Sunday morning, Jay comes downstairs dressed very casually, and Gloria confronts him, and I'm not even going to try to replicate her Colombian accent. <laughs> but, Jay, what are you wearing? You can't go to church like that. Well, that settles it then. I'm going golfing. You're going to miss church again. And then Jay then proceeds to offer a variety of excuses why he has skipped church the last several weeks. To this, Gloria responds, you don't have to convince us, you have to convince him. Who, God? Me and God are good. How would you know? Look, you feel God in church, which is great. I feel God out in nature amongst his works. 
Are you going to go to church next week? We'll see. I know what we'll see means. If you're done with church, just say it. I'm done with church. Don't say that. (laughs) Just then, an earthquake strikes the house. And Gloria takes this as a sign that God is displeased with Jay's attitude. Jay shrugs it off and begins to leave for the golf course. Well, Gloria's son, Manny, decides he wants to skip church, too. So much to Gloria's chagrin, he goes with Jay to spend Sunday morning at the golf course. While Jay is trying to sink a putt, Manny begins to question him about God and heaven and hell. Isn't Jay afraid he's going to go to hell for skipping church? So you're not worried about God? You're not worried about hell? Let me tell you a secret, kid. There is no hell. So everyone just goes to heaven? Even bad people? Yeah, but don't worry. They're in a separate section. (laughs) Manny continues to question Jay, but after a while, Jay begins to contradict himself uh, and uh, um, excuse me, contradict himself, and Manny becomes a suspect that Jay does not really know what he's talking about. So how do you know there's not a hell? I don't know, it's a hunch. A hunch? We're skipping church based on a hunch? At that, Manny begins to hyperventilate about the spiritual repercussions of missing church, and the only way Jay can calm him down is to leave the golf course and take Manny to church. Now, the Modern Family episode illustrates why it's important to be involved in church, but not in the way it might seem at first glance. And no, I don't think God sends earthquakes to frighten people into going to church. (laughs) And no, skipping church is not going to send you straight to hell. Skipping church, however, might very well leave you like Jay Pritchett with a distorted and incoherent outlook on God and our relationship with God, as well as the purposes of creation and the purposes of human life. I had a professor at Perkins, Fred Schmidt, who said that all theology is triage theology, and I've talked about this before. As you may know from medicine, triage is the process of assessing the condition of the incoming patients in order to determine the medical priority of their illness or injury. And if you've ever gone to an emergency room, typically you're seen first by a triage nurse who decides the order in which patients then are seen by the doctors. After a disaster or a military battle, triage personnel will determine who needs to be seen immediately, who can wait, and who is beyond help. Saying that all theology is triage theology is to acknowledge that what we truly and really believe is shaped and sometimes shattered by the tragedies of life. It's when life hits the fan that we have to decide what it is that we truly have faith in. For example, a Christian might believe that God is in complete control and everything happens as a, excuse me, as a direct result of God's will. And as she goes about her routine activities of life, this belief Actually, I might give her comfort and a sense of security. But then one day, her only child is killed in an auto accident. And she's now faced with a choice. She can cling ever harder 
to the conviction that her child's death was God's will, or she can begin to question her previous beliefs under the weight of the worst thing that's ever going to happen to her. Regardless of which path she chooses, the tragedy of her child's death will prove to be the deciding factor in the formation of her own theology. When faced with tragedy, we all put our beliefs through a kind of a triage. And there's going to be beliefs that will be able to carry us through the pain, beliefs that we may set aside as we reassess their helpfulness, and then beliefs that we jettison altogether because they proved incapable of providing guidance for a life that has become now much more complicated but also more rich with each passing year. As Paul says in his famous chapter 13 from 1 Corinthians, when I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became an adult, I put an end to childish ways. Bluntly put, Christians do not participate, Christians who do not participate in the spiritual disciplines are doomed to remain theological and spiritual children. Their faith will be too immature to be of any real help when life's disappointments and tragedies trip them up. The only way to grow in Christ is by the regular practice of prayer and scripture reading and religious study and fellowship and hospitality and service and worship and sacrament. And is it anywhere from more difficult, and it is anywhere from more difficult to completely impossible to practice these disciplines outside of a dedicated spiritual community? And for most of the time, a dedicated spiritual community means a church congregation. Nowhere in the Bible will you find any reference to solitary Christians, or solitary Jews for that matter. In the New Testament, to be a disciple of Christ necessarily means that you are a member of the body of Christ, the church. From a biblical perspective, the term solitary Christian is an oxymoron. Christian discipleship is a team sport. Imagine being a center on a football team with no one to hike the ball to and no offensive line to block. Uh, Christian discipleship is like a musical ensemble. Try to play an entire symphony with just a tuba. I've told you before about my experience as a guitar player. I initially started playing when I was 14 after my brother showed me how to read uh, guitar uh, chord diagrams. And I practiced on my own, and I was able to get beyond the beginner phase and get reasonably good, but I was never able to progress past the intermediate level, however, because I never took lessons, and I rarely played with other musicians. And so without others to guide, to guide me and to play beside me, there really was only so far that I could advance. And being a follower of Christ works just the same. With no one to guide you or just to walk beside you, you're going to remain spiritually immature and limited in the ways that you're going to be able to relate to God and to life's events and challenges and, yes, tragedies. Individuals who are active in a faith community are by almost any measure both physically and emotionally healthier than those who are not involved in a community. Faith communities offer fellowship, and social support and a sense of family. We receive guidance and encouragement, enabling us to grow spiritually and emotionally. 
Faith communities offer multiple opportunities for service to others, enabling the individual to then feel connected to something that's larger than just the self. There are even atheists, I've read in some articles, that have tried to form communities in order to replicate the advantages of congregational life. Even if we've been Christians for years, we still need to hear the gospel on a regular basis in order for it to sink in and become a part of who we are. Imagine as a parent that you tell your infant just once that you love him or her, and then you never tell them again. Children need to hear over and over again that they're loved and cherished. And likewise, we need to hear over and over again about how much God loves us and cherishes us. Society also benefits from active faith communities. As we're all painfully aware, however, being a Christian or a member of a church family does not make us perfect people, far from it. But it can help us heal and grow, making us, if not perfect people, perhaps just a little bit more whole people. And whole persons from healthy faith communities can do a lot to make the larger community a better place to live. Whole people can change the world for good. Now, this is not to say that people can't feel close to God out in nature. Jay Pritchett said that he felt closer to God out in nature, and I'm sure many of us have had similar experiences, myself included. My brother says he actually feels closer to God when he's participating in theater than when he's in church. But there is more to our walk, however, than just feeling close to God. As important as that is, our faith is about more than just feeling good. It's about making us like Christ and forming us into fuller reflections of the image of God. It's about new birth and new life. As most of you are aware, the mission statement of the United Methodist Church is to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. In other words, the church's first mission is to be a vehicle through which God's Spirit transforms people. And then these transformed people, these disciples then go out and transform the world. The Christian faith is about so much more than just feeling close to God. The Christian faith is about inaugurating the reign of God on earth and shaping societies until they are expressions of the life and teachings of Christ. But it's impossible to transform the world just on your own. You have to work with others. You have to work within the body of Christ, the church. Now, of course, there are going to be issues when dealing with the church. Believe me, I know. The church is a family, and just like any family, the church can sometimes be dysfunctional. In fact, just like every family, every congregation is at least to some extent a little dysfunctional, because we're all human, after all, right? But again, just like some families, there are other congregations that really are truly toxic and have left a wake of destroyed lives behind them. And I think the most egregious example is when clergy or other church leaders have abused uh, teens or children. 
I think we also see it in the church's rejection of LGBTQ persons. There are some congregations where the threat of hell hovers over everything that that congregation says or believes. Two weeks ago, we had the pleasure of hosting my good friend, the Reverend Dr. Greg Neal, and hearing him preach here at Trinity UMC. Several years ago, Greg had an extensive web-based ministry on social media, particularly with young people. He broadcasted a live internet show five evenings a week where he took questions from young people about God, religion, and the church. Later, an article was written about his ministry, and Greg is quoted as saying in reference to the internet, Unfortunately, I was horrified by the many cruel words of bitter intolerance, condemnation, and outright hatred being spewed in the name of God by those who claim to be Christians. I decided to start broadcasting in order to present a positive expression of the love of God for all. And he went on to say, Many of today's young people have been told they're going to hell for everything from makeup and tattoos to piercings, their clothing, their music, or their sexual orientation. I feel called to share with them that God does not hate them, that God loves them, accepts them, and has made them to be who and what they are. Beautiful, diverse, beloved children of God. Seeing and hearing about toxic congregations and toxic expressions of Christianity have led many to leave the church. And if I had grown up with that, I would have left the church too. Fortunately, growing up, I had enough positive expressions of church to outweigh the negative ones. So instead of leaving church, these hurtful presentations of Christianity just made me want to stay in the church all the more and to prove those haters wrong. Just because some families are toxic doesn't mean that we give up on the idea of family. And just because some congregations are toxic doesn't mean that we give up on the church. I also stay in the church because I took vows. I took vows to uphold the church by my prayers, my presence, my gifts, my service, and my witness. And like any vow that we make, whether it's to a church or a spouse or a child, there's sometimes there's going to be tedious days where we have, we have to search long and hard to find the joy. The movie entitled The League of Their Own tells the story of America's experiment with women's professional baseball during World War II. And the lead character, played by Gina Davis, wants to quit baseball and leave the team. And when her coach, played by Tom Hanks, asks her why, she responds, it just got too hard. And he then responds, it's supposed to be hard. That's what makes it great. And that's sometimes the way I feel about church life. Sometimes I feel like it just gets too hard. But then I remember it's supposed to be hard. That's how God's designed it, because the hard is what makes it great. As Methodist minister and seminary professor Steve Harper says, no one can develop a mature spirituality alone. To be a Christian is to be called into community. It is to become a functioning part of the body of Christ. And so my prayer is that we all 
continue to grow together and to grow into having the mind that we find in Christ Jesus our Lord. So let us be an example of how loving and supporting and inclusive a congregation can be. Let's show the world just how good church can be. Amen. Remember that you can always find a recording of our service on our website, tumcd.org, our Facebook page, or our podcast, Jane's Most Excellent Church Adventure. Remember, it's not too late to read a gospel for Lent. And I forgot to say during the announcements, next Sunday is Palm Sunday. So um, we're going to have we're going to have our palm fronds and it's going to be a lot of fun. So please come for church next Sunday for Palm Sunday. And now receive this benediction. Know that the ever present mystery that we name God is in your past forgiving you, in your present loving you, and in your future meeting you. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. We hope today's service was a blessing to you. Join us every Sunday here on Facebook Live at 11 a.m. Next Sunday is Palm Sunday, where we will celebrate Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. You can always access our services through our website, tumcd.org, our Facebook page, and our podcast, Jane's Most Excellent Church Adventure. If you like what you're hearing, you can also support our ministry with your gift through our website, tumcd.org. God bless you in the week ahead. We'll see you Sunday at Trinity United Methodist Church. Thank you.